Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Have you ever had an experience where an idea felt so far-fetched that it started as a joke, but then that joke slowly transformed into a dream and finally into a reality? Well, today's guest, Tony Scotto, a native of Naples, Italy, immigrated to the U.S. as a teenager. His first job was in his uncle's restaurant, where he learned English and began working his way up the ranks in the restaurant world. But Tony was still very young when the idea of buying an existing restaurant, Towson Hot Bagels, with his siblings and cousin really began as a joke. Not only did that joke turn into a reality, but Tony and his family have now grown Towson Hot Bagels to six locations. The stores are unique and special because they're designed and built to reflect the piazzas of Southern Italy, where people gather with their friends and family to enjoy food and share their story. Not only that, but the Scotto family business honors the values of Tony's grandfather, who also owned an Italian deli in Naples. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know you will too. Tony shared so much insight and wisdom into the uniqueness of both Italian and American cultures, the ways we can learn from each other, the ways he brings out the best in both. He discusses how to work with family and how to build a thriving business that now employs 150 people and really thrived through the pandemic. There are great stories, a lot of laughs, and a lot of wisdom in this interview. And I'm really excited that you get to hear from Tony right now. Thank you all listeners for being here. Hello, hello. Hey, Tony, how are you? Good, good, Becky. How are you doing? I have really been looking forward to this interview, I have to say. Great, great. (laughs) Yeah, I really, I admire every immigrant across the globe. I admire business people. I admire people that work with family You've done all of that. <laughs> so the box is great. I feel we all have a lot to learn from you. <laughs> I'm not sure, but thank you. Yes, for sure, for sure. So I don't know if Chrissy told you this, but we definitely have something in common, which is I live just about 30 minutes from Baltimore. Oh yes, I was reading that. Yeah. What, what part of about I mean where where do you live? So I live in Howard County, but I did. We spent about ten years in Ellicott City, which was really close, just about fifteen minutes outside of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, in uh, in Howard County, in Columbia, it's where I got my first job in the restaurant business. Your uncle's restaurant, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So, what restaurant was that? So uh, the name was Strapaza. Strapaza. Okay, I'm doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got it. I didn't know that. Oh, that's really cool. What a what another great connection. That's that's super yeah. cool. So, so when did you move to Baltimore? How old were you? So the first time I visited here in the U.S. was I think the premier was eleven. Mm. Uh, but moved moved here, I was twenty. Right. I mean, uh, it was two thousand uh, actually five. Mm-hmm. And I finished the school in Italy, and then my uncle was here already. My sister was here, and I came here to study English a little bit, and and then I start working in the restaurant at the same time. And mm-hmm. after a few years, I guess I decided to stay. I went back and forth for a little while, and then I decided to stay and see how things 
we're doing here. <laughs> Make your fortune. Yes. So yeah. you you first visited the U.S. when you were 11, you said, but mainly stayed in Italy until you were about 20. And that's when yeah. you came over, started working with your uncle, so on and so forth. Correct. Okay. Correct. And then what made you settle in Baltimore? What What did you fall in love with in that city? Or was it just chance? It was, uh, was a chance before mm. I fell in love, I say. Mm. Uh, I mean, as I said, like my uncle came here, I think it was at 87, 86, okay. 87. Yeah. Uh, he had a few businesses, you know, Strapaza, as I mentioned before. And then when we came here, it was like, you know, the closer connection that we had. So that's why yeah. we came here. Yeah, I see. I see. Okay. So you were born and raised in Italy. What part of Italy? Naples. 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 Okay. So I know that you must you must think about that every day, your hometown. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So for those of us who haven't been to Naples, or maybe those of us who have, can you just give us a like a, a sensory experience? Can you just walk us through what you would hear and smell and see, you know, maybe particularly those things that you really miss about Naples? So uh, you, you you got me in a hard spot. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually leaving for Italy uh, Friday. Oh, so, you uh, are. Yes. After two years, uh, oh. I was able to go and and now I miss so much that, you know, every day, like you said, every day I'm thinking of of that. Oh, uh, you're almost homesick even after all these years. Yep. Yeah. And I got to mm. say, I mean, like, I mean, Italy is different everywhere, wherever mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Uh, the part that I miss most about, I mean, there is like, you know, when you walk the street on Naples, mm-hmm. uh, there is a smell of food. Mm. I mean, pizza was born in Naples, and almost everybody makes pizza in Naples. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are these little uh, uh, shops that make pizza, and you take the pizza to go. Yeah. So, like, they may have pizza, they may have panzerotti, they have, like, all different grab-and-go food. Mm-hmm. And it's fresh, it's made fresh, so the smell of the food and it's in the air. That's mm. that's one thing for sure. Yeah. One other thing that I miss a lot is the, uh, the breeze of the, of the sea. You know, when you walk uh, by by the water, by the Mediterranean, and you, mm. there's a little breeze. It's mm. not cold, but it's warm, but it's so fresh. Mm. And, you know, the smell of, of, of this, the water. And, mm. you know, the one the first thing that I'm going to do, it actually, I already have a, a plan that mm. uh, I'm going to go uh, with a few friends on the boat. And one of the things that I miss a lot is actually jumping on the water. Oh, so, yeah. And the... <laughs> You know that the feeling when when you when you jump in and then you come out and like you know you and the water of there is a little bit different than here. I mean, the, mm. it's Mediterranean, so it's a little bit more salty. Mm. So when you come out, you have you still have the little bit of saltiness on your on your lips. Mm. It's magical. Oh, is it warm? The Mediterranean? Yeah. Yes, it's mm. warmer. Yeah, mm. Mm. that's amazing. Oh, wow. You really have painted a picture. I've got a huge smile (laughs) on my face and I'm just so excited for you that you're going Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about maybe who you will see there or maybe, maybe they're gone. Maybe they came with you, but who cooked for you in Italy? What was your introduction to cooking there? Oh, well, I mean, uh, Mm. uh, my mom for sure, everybody, Mm -hmm. my family, Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up, um, you know, like next, very close to my grandparents. So like, you know, they cooked my mom, my my aunt, I mean, my dad, everybody like, you know, cooks in Italy. 
Yeah. Um, in different occasion. And, and actually my, my grandfather used to have a little deli in Italy, mm-hmm. uh, really small deli, uh, old style, like, you know, the, the kind of that you can buy anything there. not just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember we used to make some really, really, really good sandwiches. Oh my uh, God. I was going to say, I can smell that deli. Those yeah. cured meats. Oh, wow. So the men and the women, go ahead. No, I say like the fresh mozzarella, buffalo mozzarella. There is some. It's a very niche product product mm. of uh, Naples, the area you know where we I'm from. Mm. And uh, you know, if there is one thing that, of course, remind me of my grandfather was is actually the mozzarella that you know the fresh buffalo mozzarella. Wow. Unfortunately, it's hard to find here in the US. Uh, Got it. That, that's one of the first things that I'm going to eat it when I go there. Oh, that's that's great. Now, did he did he make it himself the mozzarella? No, 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 no. He didn't not make it. But he stocked the deli with it. Oh yes, oh, yeah. yes. Every day it was coming fresh. Every day, that's mm-hmm. that's a fresh. It's a fresh product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, is it typical for men and women both to cook in Naples? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. And do you remember when you fell in love with cooking? Was it just as natural to you as breathing or jumping in the water? It was just something you were never without cooking yourself personally. No, I mean, uh, there is uh, this friend of mine that I know that used to say, like, if you like to eat, you definitely know how to cook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. So that, that's what happened to me. I mean, I was, uh, I always liked to eat. And I mean, mostly growing up, my mom used to work. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was getting older, like, you know, if I had to cook or do something, like, you know, she was starting and then I had to finish, we always helped. So, like, Sometimes was about putting the pasta. Sometimes, you know, was just, uh, you know, helping or cooking for myself, just some eggs or things like mm-hmm. that. So I always like had the, like my hands, you know, getting my hands dirty mm-hmm. um, when I had to it. When mm-hmm. I had to it means that when I was angry, which most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> A growing voice. I have four of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, you were hungry. <laughs> yep. That's great. Now, you talked about that the buffalo mozzarella is very specific to your region. And I yes. think most people listening to this know, like we've kind of moved past this very facile understanding of Italian food that it's, you know, spaghetti and meatballs or whatever. Dishes that we just call Italian are really differentiated by region. So tell me a little bit more about what specifically Naples is known for you mentioned pizza um so, you said, yeah i mean yeah pizza, i guess is the most popular thing i mean mm-hmm. it's famous in all, all over the world and uh, it was born in naples there is a lot of uh, i mean of course being by the water and yes. a lot of seafood the seafood mm-hmm. the, like you know the freshness of the seafood there and yeah. you can cook almost everything like you know when you're fishing the buffalo mozzarella Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another thing. So why uh, why is it about Naples? Is there like a particular something particular about the geography or the climate in Naples that makes for really good milk? Like why why do you think the mozzarella is so specific to that region? So the mozzarella is very good in the region because the the, the milk that they use it it's it comes from a specific cow that grows there uh, okay. in, the, in the region there. Okay. Uh, you know Naples is very it's. You, you know, half of that is on the coast and half mm-hmm. of that, a lot of mountain to it. So you kind of have a mix of both oh, worlds. Okay. Right there. 
And, you know, the, the buffalo mozzarella, I mean, we, I think they tried one time to bring the milk from there to here, but uh-huh. they couldn't make it. It's, yeah. a, it's a, speci- a specific, you know, kind of cow that is good. And then huh. they also like tomatoes. Ah. A part of Naples that, you know, it's Naples is very volcanic. There's a big volcan there. It's called the Vesuvio. Yeah, yeah, so sure. The land, it's a little bit drier, uh-huh. very volcanic. So that, of course, changed the the way that the plants grow. So they have a lot of products that are specific for their region. I see. I see. Yeah. All that ash, it, it makes like humus almost. It makes that really, really rich, rich earth. Yes. Got uh, it. Got it. Did not realize that. Okay. So yeah, you really do have everything there. You have some mountain zone, you have the really good earth, and then you have the sea. So you can get all your seafood as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So can we talk about this clam Clam and spaghetti or a clam and pasta recipe that you gave me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, actually very, you know, a dish that it's kind of easy to do it. Mm. Um, it's it's uh, one of those dishes that, you know, sometimes even when I was there with friends and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like maybe the weather is not nice. I say, okay, instead of go to the beach, let's cook something home. Let's be all together. Mm. And and so we go to you know to buy the fresh clams, mm-hmm. which when you have the fresh clams, of course they still have water inside. I mean, mm-hmm. some clams they still have water inside. That's why, like, when you cook the clams, you first you put in a little bit of water because there is a scent inside, so you yeah. get rid of the scent. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you don't need them much to be good if the clams are fresh. Mm-hmm. So picture this one, you know, like fresh clams. You know, maybe like we go outside, we have a little garden where you have all the herbs, the mm. herbs that yeah. you can cook it. So you get a little bit of parsley, some hot peppers, because, you know, you always need that hint of spicy. Got it. And one thing that, that I put like, you know, all the time is a little bit of wine. Ah. Just to do that, so the clams can cook with a little bit of wine. So it make the white wine sauce. Yep. Uh, um, and, and also give us, a, I, I feel like it, it brings the flavors out of the clams as well. Ah, yeah, a good compliment. Okay. All right. So transfer, transfer this recipe to Baltimore for me or for other people, maybe in the States or around the world looking like, what is it, Tony? I've never cooked with clams before, believe it or not. So tell me when we go to a market, well, first of all, do you recommend any place local? I'd love to know that personally. But for the rest of my audience, what do we look for in a clam? So I I like little clams. I don't like big clams. How how little? Like a quarter? Um, yes, they okay. they they're called the little neck uh, clams. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones they prefer. I mean, okay. I think that they are the the best. They have you could, they, they feel the best. Okay. I mean, one thing: make sure they are fresh. I mean, mm. you don't you know the frozen one. Yeah, I try a few times, but I never find anything good. The fresh one, they're really good. There is a store here, actually, next to our office, Conrad Seafood. They have a little seafood market where uh, I buy a lot of seafood from there. Conrad so, Seafood. Okay, never heard of that. All right. Yeah, no, they're here in, in Towson. And they and when they have, like, you know, the, they don't always have it. But when they have it, I get the little one. Mm-hmm. And maybe you do, like, you know, I, I like to do, a, you know, like, at least like five, but in a good portion, it would be like between seven and 10 per oh, okay. person. Okay. And nothing. And, you know, just grab it, take it home mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, make sure that you put a little bit of water because, you know, to get the scent out. Mm-hmm. And then that from there, you start, maybe it's going to take like 20 more minutes to finish up and, uh, and cook it. 
Yeah. So the real part is just making sure that you deal with the clams well, clean that scent out. You just run fresh water over them or you actually kind of like boil water through them? No, actually, instead of running fresh water, I put it like in a bowl and I let ah. it in the water for a little bit because the clams are usually still alive. So when oh. they're alive, they like open up a little bit oh. and, the, and the sense comes out. So like after you do that, you keep it like maybe like at least 10 minutes in the okay. water. Okay. Um, then you let it drain okay. uh, and you put a little bit of olive oil, some garlic, a little uh-huh. bit of hot pepper. Uh-huh. <laughs> You, you wait for the garlic to get like a little bit golden, you know, mm. so it start cooking mm-hmm. and then you put the clams there. You got to be careful because, you know, the clams are wet, the oil is hot. Yeah, it's going to splatter. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, when the, the oil is hot, I, I cook with, by the way, I cook with the olive oil. So like, you know, I use olive oil for uh, for cooking mm. and um, nothing. Then you put the clams in, you wait, you I let all the clams open. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I do, I, I pull off the clams once they are open. Mm. Uh, so like, you know, like I don't overcook it because mm-hmm. you don't want the seafood is uh, it's a very delicate, delicate food. So you don't yeah. want to overcook it. If you overcook it, then it come to chow, uh, ch- chew. Okay. So, so as soon as they open, like open off. all the way or just how much? Once they are open, they are open. Okay. The heat's just going to open them up. You take them off immediately so they don't overcook and serve them like that. Or do you take, do you take the clam out then? No, then what, what I, by the time I do this one, the, I'm having my pasta cooked. Mm. Let's say I, I love the linguine with that. So let's say okay. that the pasta takes about 10 minutes to cook. Mm. I let the pasta cook maybe like six minutes. Mm-hmm. I pull off the pasta and then I cook the the sauce that came from the clams. Ah, like the broth. The, Got it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I put it with the pasta. So like, you know, oh. actually the pasta is start cooking with the same broth of the clams. So like, it's not just mixing pasta and sauce. It's actually like, you know, the sauce becomes uh, what the pasta is cooking with. Yes. Okay. Okay. Got it. Perfect. Okay. And then it's a pretty dish as well. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm. You, add, uh, you add a little bit of parsley, you know, on mm. the fresh at the end. I like, you know, to add a few, like three, four tomatoes, maybe just to give some color. Mm-hmm. You almost got uh, the Italian flag there. You got the white, <laughs> from the pasta, you got the green, and you got the red. Right. Got it. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Okay. So, and you mentioned you put a little bit of hot pepper in. I don't associate hot pepper with Italian food. Is that, is that wrong? Is it hot pepper pretty, pretty common in Italian food or Napoleon food? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, it is, especially if you do like, uh, if you go southern part of Italy, like you can go uh, Sicily, you can go like mm. uh, any places, you see a lot of actually hot peppers. They usually have these little uh, hot peppers, almost like a bouquet, like a flower bouquet, just hot peppers. And oh. they usually they those sit outside in you know, on the sun so it can dry it, so you can use it all year round. But yeah, we, you know, we, we love our spicy too, a little bit, not too much. Yeah. Not too much. Yeah. We call pepperoncini. Oh, yeah. I know exactly. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So one more thing before we move on from the food in Naples. One thing you said really surprised me, which was that, so my husband and I went to Italy eight years ago for our 10th wedding anniversary. And 
we we loved it. We did not make it to Naples, unfortunately. We loved everywhere we were. But the one thing, <laughs> the one thing that was so hard for my husband is he loves to get a big cup of coffee and just go for a long walk. And the whole concept of take and go in Italy was it was very frowned upon. And so it surprises me that you said that in Naples you'll just take your pizza and go. Do you feel like that's unique to Naples? That's uh, yeah, unique to Naples. Yeah. Um, there, there is a, a particular style of pizza that it's called pizza a portafoglio, which is uh, translated in a wallet. So they oh. pull the pizza like in a little wallet, so you can eat it just, uh, just you know, walking on down the street. Oh, that's pretty cool. You kind of fold like fold the crust on half, so you're holding yes. crust on both sides. Oh, got yes. it. That's a really cool thing to know. Okay, we're going to have to, when we go back, we'll go back to Naples. You have <laughs> so to, can... I always tell people, if you haven't been there, that's a good reason why you should go back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, I have also heard, tell me if this is true or not. Is it true that Naples, I mean, of course, Italy is known all over for its bread. Would you say it's true? I've heard it argued that Naples is like the epicenter. The best, best bread comes from Naples. Do you think that's true? I so when I was little, I used to travel a lot because uh, you know for competition I used to swim and, and compete like oh. a, around Italy. So I used to go oh, northern cool. Italy a lot, mm-hmm. and there is a difference in the way that they make the the bread in the northern of Italy. We, they don't put a salt, so it's a little bit unsalted. Yes. So for me, every time I was going up north, I always had to put some salt and oil yeah. just give some <laughs> some meaning to that bread. So I don't want to. I don't want to be like that, but yes, I, lo- I mean, I think they have the best bread. It's it's different than here. It's like more like here, usually what I find comparable to that would be the sourdough bread, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, you know, with a very thick crust. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, you know, and that's that's another thing that you find walking the, down the street, the, the bakery, the bread, you know, that comes out, uh, mm. you know, that it's really good, which honestly, we I have the same feeling when I walk into my stores because we bagels all day long mm, mm. it's just it's it's a sensory that that brings you memory like you know long 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 time mm, yeah that smell of bread now however bagels is not italian or am i wrong on that no you're right you're okay. right Actually, i did some research i mean they start coming like you know bagels now in the last five years mm. uh, there are a few places i think in milan and rome they do it you know mm. in the jewish community there. oh yeah. Uh, but, Interesting. You know, yeah. Other than that, I never had a bacon. <laughs> Which is amazing. Like it's, it's, it's ironic, right? Because you grow up in the place that arguably has the best bread in the world. You have a bakery, but the one, the one thing, well, you have many restaurants now, which we'll talk about in a second, but the one thing that you started with bagels, you didn't have in Naples, which is amazing to me. So tell me that story. Like, when did you first eat a bagel? Did you like it? Did you think it was weird? And then how did you go to owning a bagelry? So the first time I had the bagel and I had a bagel here, I think it was uh, 2013, 14, one one of the time when I came here for vacation during the summer mm-hmm. to visit your uncle and other yeah. family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you gotta know like breakfast in Italy, it's, it's usually like a, a croissant or like mm. some cereal and some milk. And that's about it. Mm. Uh, you only eat eggs maybe like when you go outside on vacation and they have like a continental breakfast or something like that. But other than that, you only had, you know, milk or like a croissant or like, yeah, you know, very easy things. So mm. to me, like, you know, 
eating eggs in the morning was already something. I say, oh, <laughs> eggs in the morning. I mean, what is that? And then you put it like you know, like I remember the first bagel I had that it was bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh, a breakfast sandwich! Totally, yeah. totally foreign to you at the time. Yep. Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. And I put ketchup to the time. That's which I fell in love with that with the uh, ketchup. I'm one of those that uh, put ketchup. <laughs> that. That's so American of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got feeling the culture already. That's <laughs> wait, we always say when in Rome, do what the Romans do. When in Baltimore. <laughs> right, right. Love it. Yeah. So, so you know, I had when I came here, I had this uh, bacon, egg, and cheese. And the, at the time I was with my aunt and she was working, I was, uh, I was with her at the restaurant in Towson, mm. which was the original THB location. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, Tasma bagel, and you know, was very small. And my aunt says, "I, you know, do you want to try this bagel?" Like, I say, "Okay, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I guess so. Uh, let's try it." You know, when in Rome, in Rome, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, I had the bagel, and, and it was really good. It, it was really good. Of course, like you know, then a few times, a few days later, we always got that as a breakfast. It was really good. Ah. Uh, and then I went back in Italy because at the time I was going to the school, so I was just here for like three, four weeks. Mm. But you know that yeah, the first bagel I had it was in Towson, was at the the store that years later we ended up buying, and um, that's crazy. And, and that's when everything started from the store. That's that's amazing. That's such that's so amazing that you had it right there, and then you didn't even know. I bet you didn't even have an inkling that you were going to own that store one day. Not at all. Isn't life funny? So, well, let's back up a little bit before we talk about that. And how did you decide you were clearly at home in the U.S., but you, of course, loved your home culture. How did you decide to go to the U.S.? And did you think, well, I'll just give this a try? Or did you really think that's that's it? This is this is going to be my life going forward. And then tell me a little bit about the transition. What was hard? What was easy? Like I said, I just reiterate, like I admire every immigrant from in whatever country to whatever country, I think it's just a super courageous move. So tell me what your experience was. So I, I got to say, I, I, I was not the courageous at the beginning because mm. I came here and uh, the first time that I came here, I went to Tazo University for a little bit was 2015. Mm. Um, at that time, uh, you know, I had like all my friends in Italy. Mm. Um, how, how old were you? Uh, at that time, I was uh, 18. 18, okay. 18. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, also that the other thing is that here until like 21, you can't do, you can't do much. Oh, uh, right. The biggest difference was that, you know, my social life there was with, within friends. We mm-hmm. were not going out to eat, but, you know, I feel like we were going out. Mm-hmm. We were hanging out outside. Here, mm-hmm. like you, there, there was more like, I mean, we have, I'm from a, the, a little town. So you ended up, you, you hang out in the piazza in the square. So, so here is like, usually like you, you do home parties. So it's, it's kind of a little bit different than that. Mm, mm. Um, but, you know, also in 2005, I had all my friends there. So it was a little bit like, you know, a different culture. It was kind of like, you know, I couldn't do much because a lot of my friends here were older. So if they were going out, I couldn't go with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, most part is because I had a lot of friends there. So I was homesick for it. Uh, yeah. For yeah. So the first few months, I mean, I was doing six months here. Then I was going back for a few months, then mm. six months here, again, another semester. And then I think it was at the end of 2016, where I said, you know what, probably is a little bit too much. 
let me try to go back to Italy and see what I can do it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, my brother, my and my dad and my sister, they were here. So I was in Italy for like seven months by myself. Okay. And, and I got to say, at that time, I had the best time of my life because all my family was here and I had the, all my house there by myself. <laughs> <back then>. So... <laughs> No responsibilities. I mean, things I did. I had the money, so I was fine. Mm, uh, mm. And then I, when I, it was a summer 2007, and I said, okay, now what? I mean, like, of course, like you know, my parents let me do it, like you know, my seven months of uh, craziness a little bit, and then it's right, like, what? like, okay, now it's time to grow up and be an adult. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. just like that. So that's so I decided, you know, to come here to to be back. Mm-hmm. At first, I was coming here just for a little a little while. At that time, I was older. So when I came here in 2007, I started going out, meeting a new people, new friends mm-hmm. at college. So I started living here mm-hmm. and not just being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and your, I, yeah, and your whole family was here. Like that is quite an anchor. I mean, as a teenager, you spend maybe more time with your friends, but your family is still that emotional anchor that really is a part of defining home. Yes, yes. I mean, I was very fortunate about that. Yeah, I had stayed my uncles and some cousins there, but mm. I had a big part of my family here, my mom, my dad, mm-hmm. uh, my brother, my sister, my grandmother was going back and forth. So mm. I, you know, I had a good chunk of my family. So my, mm. you know, I was close to my family. I can say that I, I was not seeing them for months. Mm-hmm. That definitely helped. Yeah. And and also they were still cooking for me, which it's <laughs> also helped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, you're 20, 21 at this point. Uh, yeah, about to turn 21. Yes. About to turn 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I was going out, I was working and I was going out and, you know, meeting some friends, you know, I had my own friends here. So it was definitely different. Uh, I remember I had the, the first few experience with the, college party i had uh like what's it called uh, the vacation that they, when uh, spring break oh you know, spring break, <laughs> spring break I, I went to miami i remember my first spring break so like mm. again living the life the american life the the, mm. the, the one that uh, that i was that i remember from italy watching the movies and things like that so. mm, that's not an italian thing huh not at all mm. but this is interesting to me cuz italians are definitely known for and maybe it's just a stereotype that's unfair um, for, you know, being really good at relaxing, enjoying life, gatherings, you know, yes. like like enjoying the good life. What What's the difference between an American party or an American leisure time and an Italian party or Italian leisure time? I mean, well, one thing that I say that here, it's it's a lot involved a lot around the drinking. Yeah. In, in mm-hmm. Italy, it's more involved. You drink while having fun. Here uh, it's about you know having fun you know drinking it's it's uh, in Italy you have fun and okay and then you drink here it's a you drink and then you have fun uh, it's a lot that's of contributors but mm. so I it's find a, that a little sad do you uh, it's a different perspective I say I mean I yeah. like you know when when you you live two different cultures I always say I have two homes because mm-hmm. you know now I'm living here for many years. A few more years is going to be most of my life will be here in the U.S. Wow. Uh, I miss when I go back mm-hmm. uh, after a few weeks, I miss my life here in the U.S. Because yeah. here yeah. I like, you know, I have everything now. So, yeah. it, but when I go there, to me, it's not a vacation. It's like go back home and, yeah. and it, everything's so natural. It's like I never left. 
Mm, yeah. So to you, it's a positive thing that you have two, you have two homes genuinely. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at some point you were working for your, you were, you were kind of here, your family was anchored here and you were working for your uncle. And then tell me how you made the transition to going into business, you know, for yourself and, and with a family. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at that time, like, you know, my uncle had many restaurants and, mm-hmm. you know, the family was growing and, and my brother, like and I and my cousin, my sister, we we're looking for our own thing in a way. And at that time, my brother was the manager at the restaurant in Towson. Mm. And next two doors down, it was the, the bagel shop. And uh, the former owner was, you know, kind of have some uh, family personal problems. But out of joke, you know, my brother, like, I remember, like, they, the customers of the bagel shop, they were using the, the restaurant tables. And my brother, like, say, you know, told this guy, say, oh, like, by the way, you, you got to pay me the rent because, you know, your customer using my tables. You know, always <laughs> joking, right? Mm. Um, and then the guy goes, oh, wow, you want, do you want to buy it? And, you know, from there, out of the joke, like, you know, my brother started talking to the former owner. That's crazy, and, uh, Tony. <laughs> out of the joke, like, you know, when you say like, oh, like, you know, talking about it, joking about it. And then it came after, I think, like seven, eight months going back and forth. But, you know, out of those few words, that's when um, we decided to uh, to to jump in. And uh, yes, it's a different product, mm. but food is a kind of food mm. and it comes out of the ingredients. Mm. And, you know, when, when mm. I grew up with eating like good sandwiches, good food, mm-hmm. uh, I was very fortunate that my sensors, my my very like they, they look for the flavors in everything. Yeah, and uh, and the the, the bagel business is kind of the same thing. It's you make mm-hmm. fresh product, you make mm-hmm. everything fresh, and when you taste something's good, when when you try like you try to be to make as a flavor, it's more flavor as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of it's, it's a different product, but it's kind of the same strategy. Yes. I just think that's amazing about food. There's very few things that both celebrate individuality, but also bind us together universally. That good food is good food and people appreciate it in every culture. Yes. Yeah. I own it. It's it's really cool because it's it's your grandfather's legacy, really, that you were carrying on with this bagel shop, even though, like you said, it was a totally different product. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. And now, now you guys, you own seven restaurants. Do I have that right? Uh, six. 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 That's amazing. Six. I, I, I felt I felt the, the the heavy of the seventh one already. No, we we're looking for more location. Okay. Uh, but we opened, yeah, we opened the last two actually in the last uh, seven months. We opened two stores. And How'd that go? It. Opening in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. <laughs> Hopefully, someday is going to be the first and last time that we do that. Right? <laughs> Oh, Tony, I hope so. Yes. (laughs) No, it was, um, I got to say, it was challenging. So we had a plan to open this new store before the pandemic started. Yeah. And and then the pandemic came and, you know, we already signed the lease and, you know, we contractually, like, you know, we were like in two deals that we had to move forward, Mm -hmm. uh, but we were lucky and fortunate enough that our landlord was uh, uh, able to work with us. Mm -hmm. And um, so we decided to open 
you know, like even with the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, and I got to say, it's been a challenge. It's been a very yeah. challenging uh, experience um, mm-hmm. because every day, like, there's something new. Like, you know, there was yeah. a lot of things that say, oh, you know, why is this happening? Oh, because of the pandemic. Oh, there's a shortage oh, because of the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a shortage of everything. Every day is a new shortage. And yeah. so because of the pandemic. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, the restaurant business has never... I mean, I've been doing this one for like, I guess, uh, 14, 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And there's always something. So I feel yeah. like I, I'd like to think that we've been trained for the pandemic because we have been trained mm-hmm. always I have to deal with the, with the new issue. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting you say that because what would it be like 14 months ago? It was April, right? When the pandemic started, like we were a month in. And um, I was just so confused about how to eat, what to eat, how to help businesses. And I just did like a a little episode every day for a week. I interviewed like seven people and I called it carry out in COVID. And they were people all across the food industry. So like farmers that supplied some restaurant owners. And I interviewed this one guy who was a mentor to restaurant owners. And that's his whole business as he mentors restaurant owners. And he said that the food industry, the hospitality industry was uniquely poised as much as it was a struggle. They were uniquely poised to deal with COVID because just like you said, Every day in the hospitality industry is a new challenge. Like you constantly have to pivot. You constantly have to deal with, you know, fires. You constantly have to adjust to deal with. It's just, it's just a challenging business. And if you are already succeeding in a challenging business, like you'll find a way, you'll find a way through the pandemic as well, you know? Yes. Yes, I agree with him. I agree with him a lot, and uh, and that's what happened to us. I mean, we had to change many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, we installed kiosk in all the stores. Like you know, two years ago would be like, oh, you have kiosk. I mean, this is like crazy. And now, mm-hmm. like we installed the kiosk. We we had an app that you know we got by I think like 40 percent during the pandemic. More, I mean, we reached the up to seventy percent of our business was coming through the app. Um, wow. And, uh, and, you know, we installed the kiosk and we made sure that, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, mm. another thing that, they, you know, connected me to Italy was the fact that in Italy, the pandemic started about two weeks before yes. us. Yes, so we were all watching. Way, yeah. I saw that coming. I, I, I knew what was happening there. And I said, yeah. oh, okay, it's going to come here. So, like, okay. you know, by the time that everything was shut down here, we already, like, know what to do it in a way like because everything was happening every day like every day was a different story so we we had like at least two weeks ahead of that so we knew Mm -hmm. we we kind of saw that coming Mm -hmm. and i gotta say one of the things that i was really fortunate about it is that we had a great team uh and we structured this uh this hospitality this restaurant business as a as a business Mm -hmm. Uh, it is a family-owned business but we we had a structure that made sure that we could survive and when i mean mm-hmm. like we had like you know great marketing team that was able to work on the app and yeah. as well like an online ordering in order to make that easy for the customers yeah we had managers in the stores that make sure that you know we did that we enforce a checklist i mean every day we check the temperature and things like that the cleaning of the store like it, it was a very very team effort at the time yeah. we had about 100 employees yeah. so like you know wow. we, you also had to like you know manage those 100 employees you and make sure that you know everybody felt safe as well yeah and uh and i got to say 
you know, now that I think it back, that's that's uh, it took us a lot. Yeah. I guess I'm ready for the vacation now. Yeah. Oh, you have earned it. You have earned it. You've earned your vacation and they've earned the joy of seeing you. I'm sure it will be good for them, for them too, to have like that experience of normalcy and just reconnecting with family. So just to stay on the COVID thing a little bit before we move on, I'm curious also, I feel like a lot was focused on the customer experience and how to keep customers safe. And you mentioned your employees, you had a hundred people you were responsible for and you had to keep them safe. How did you do that? And how much of a key to that, to keeping your employees safe and happy was like a key to making it through with all six locations? Yeah. So at the time we had, uh, we had four locations and, oh, uh, right. yeah. and then we started and uh, yeah, one of the things that we talk about is, okay, like I was one of those people that, of course, like, again, like looking at what's happening in Italy, I was probably more scared of uh, than a lot of people here. Yeah. So looking at that, I, I say, okay, like if I am a customer, if I want to go out, mm-hmm. what do I, I mean, what makes me feel good? What makes me feel safe? And at the same time, I say, okay, like if, like I'm a worker, I work in the restaurant, I got to be there every day. The news are telling me that, you know, anybody that comes in, like, you know, can, you know, you know in a way can give me COVID. So, like, how I want to make sure that <laughs> I'm a, a little bit away, I'm not too close to people and things like that. So, one, right. we, we enforce, we are very strict from the beginning. We closed the dining room. We're probably one of the first that we closed the dining room. And at one point for many months, we actually closed the, the store, you know, completely. So, we had people, on, you know, only ordering online. Mm-hmm. We were preparing the food and we were giving the food out of the window. Mm-hmm. So like we were very like making sure that there was as a touchless, as contactless as yeah. possible. Yeah. Uh, and and so like, you know, even the employees that were at the store, like they felt safe. They said, okay, like, yeah. I'm, you know, we were used to like, you know, hundreds of customers every day and, you know, like talking to them. Now it's like, okay, you got to talk, talk through the window. Yeah. So that, that made <laughs> yeah. everybody feel safe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like you said, the fact that you were so proactive about it, your employees knew you weren't just doing this in response to regulations. You weren't kind of doing it grudgingly. You were doing it in a proactive way. Like I need to be safe. You need to be safe and our customers need to be safe. So they felt, they felt like you were taking it really seriously because you did it so early. Yes. Yeah. yeah like, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, congratulations on, yeah, not just surviving, but thriving during that. That really is a credit to you and your family and your, yeah, your business skills. So congratulations on that. And I'm sure you brought a lot of stressed out family, a lot of joy with your good food during that time too, because it was a treat to get to go out and get some good food when you were just at home all the time. So a win-win for everybody. Yes. Mm, yes. mm, Yeah. So, well, I read, I read something in another interview that, I, I really, I really liked, and I wanted to ask you more about it. So you talked about, like, we talked about the fact that bagels have just kind of been introduced to Italy. Of all the amazing food there, bagels is not native to Italy. But when you, well, you didn't open, when you bought Towson Hot Bagels, you said that you brought the Italian way of life into your bagel business, which is super interesting to me. So what about the Italian way of life did you bring into the bagel business, even though you weren't making Italian food. And I'm just curious in general, like what about the Italian way of life do you think that the U.S., you know, could benefit from learning a little more about? Yeah. One of the best memories I have, 
and now Italy is changing too in the, in the last in the last 15 years, of course. Mm-hmm. But one of the memories that I had when I was in Italy was the fact that the weekends, I mean, the Sundays, everything was closed. And to give you an example, like, you know, can, if you can picture here, like, you know, the what do you feel when you go out on uh, on Christmas Day on, mm. uh, or maybe on a Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, you know, the feeling such that a everything... special day. Yes, that, that that's <laughs> one of the days that, that I love the most just because, like, it reminds me of when I was in Italy mm. and uh, everything was closed on the Sundays. Mm. Now, unfortunately, it's not like that anymore, mm. uh, you know, because... I mean, I guess like in you know, economy, like change yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of the things that I, you know, that I miss more in the, my childhood, I would say, no, not that I miss Italy because it's not like that anymore. Mm-hmm. But, and that, you know, that, that, that peace, that, that, that easiness and, and the piazza. I mean, like mm-hmm. that when you go, like, you know, when it's, everything is closed and you see all your friends in the, in the piazza and the square in Italy and then you talk, you know, like food. The experience is not just the food. It's also like the ambience that they yeah. are in. So I like to think that our stores, our stores are big enough and became like a, a, such a good community spot because when you go like in our stores before the pandemic and now they're coming back, but yeah. you know, we're still like in that. Sure. Uh, yeah. In, that in, uncomfortable in, zone. Yeah. Correct. But you see a lot of your neighbor, you see a lot of your friends. Mm. Uh, so like, you know, that became like, you know, THB became the spot where you will see your friends, mm. uh, where you see your neighbor, when you see like, you know, the, the kids will see like, you know, their, their schoolmate and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of like brought the, the piazza here in, the, in our stores. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think you managed to do that? I think, I think because, uh, you know, we, THB is such an easy experience that everybody mm. makes their own experience mm. uh, when when you know since it was a small store and then we grew i mean it comes from the way that you can customize your your bagel sandwiches you, mm-hmm. know, you can really make your own we were never like you know customers were coming in and moving tables and putting tables together so they could like you know do whatever they wanted to do it yeah um, and and you know it was always loud it is always mm. loud so mm. it's more energy just like you know being in italy and people screaming around you so everybody, you know, THB is a piece of everybody that comes in. Like you can have yeah. an experience, you know, you can go by yourself and sit by your table, but you can also put like, you know, 10 people together and yeah. uh, and see the neighbor and, you know, just eating there all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's great. Congratulations on doing that. Thank you. Yeah. So, so on the other hand, you have this like super relaxed atmosphere and it's so interesting to me, Tony. And I really, I really admire this because I think that people could see that really super relaxed atmosphere and think, okay, well, that's how they also run the business. It's just kind of like, yeah, you, you know, you make some bagels, you put them out, but like you said, that's, that kind of approach wasn't going to get you through the pandemic. That kind of approach wasn't going to have you build, you know, uh, (laughs) empire is too strong a word, but you know, like a strong, a strong legacy, like you have six restaurants strong now. And I read somewhere else, you said that when you talk to new employees and you, and you hire them because they're teachable and they're energetic. And you said, you say to them, steal something from us, steal the way that we run the business. Maybe the way we try to be organized, maybe the way you work with other people. 
as well. And so it's so it's so interesting to me again that you have this super relaxed atmosphere, but you really run your business in a very in a very organized and it's what's business structure maybe in a in a, in a little bit I, it's I, a business like way yeah tell me yeah. where did this come from did you like you talk about your teen years you were like oh, i just want to party and then you kind of became like this very serious businessman <laughs> how did this <laughs> how did this happen is this from your family what is this uh, i mean my family always has been in the business my mm-hmm. my great 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 grandfather you know like he was you know he had his own business mm-hmm. and when i was a little like you know we my I have a twin brother and we always talk about business mm-hmm. um we came here and we lived in the business so business my mother I mean she was always in business my dad mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of like in the family like I grew up around business you know the mm-hmm. word business so that was always like you know one of the goal uh definitely like you know was I can't say that I knew everything about that and I don't mm-hmm. I cannot say actually that I know everything about business right now uh I think it's a it's a learning experience something that you keep learning every day and you do better and better and better Mm -hmm. and if you have like the will to really learn and you know like your weakness and to get better I mean Mm -hmm. that's what I think is going to make people succeed yeah Uh, but I say we are we are family-owned business with a corporate mentality ah Uh, we we you know we run our business I mean of course when you have a family uh, that you work with, it's a unique experience. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. Unique. Yes, yeah, I didn't want to use the word complicated, but it's it's a very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because there's other things involved in that. Yeah, um, I say like like with my brother, like you know, we buy heads all the time. Sure. But at the end of the day, like you know, like I, he has his responsibilities. I have mine. Like he has his job. I have mine, and you know, we all like are accountable for whatever our job is. Yeah. And this is like, you know, kind of like the, the structure that we have in the store. Like, you know, everybody that comes in the store is, becomes part of the family. Mm. With, with, and with that being said, like, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody can do everything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise it won't be a business, right? I mean, like. You well, yeah, your family won't function either if you don't have rules. <laughs> correct. Correct. And uh, and we went to, we did a lot of coaching. We had a business coach for many years. Uh-huh. And one of the first lessons and the things I remember the most is, okay, like you guys got to define who he's who and what they're accountable for. So in a way, I know what my cousin is accountable for. He knows it. And if for some reason, like things are not the way they're supposed to be, we just talk about it. And we know that it's not to point like, you know, who has the pool we have to blame, but just, you know, to make it better. And the same thing, like everybody, like, you know, everybody else, it's, you know, we all have our responsibilities in it's such a big machine. Yeah. That honestly, like, you know, it sometimes impresses me. We have about 150 employees right now. Wow. And, you know, it's a big machine. It takes like a lot to make sure that every little parts move in the right way. And in any mean, we are not perfect, but we work on being better every day. Yeah. Yeah. I I watched a, it was YouTube video actually from a business that I've been associated with like tangentially. I really admired them. They were a family business as they hired new people. They almost always hired family. And I just really admired that. And what I really, really admired is they, it was a husband wife team and they did a YouTube video that was very transparent, very open talking about how they made it work for them. And what they eventually found is they could not be accountable to each other. Even though they owned the business, they made a third person, a family member, actually, that they each reported to. 
separately so that they weren't always, you know, yeah, holding each other accountable, but they were accountable to that third person. And they really almost didn't even need to know what the other person was doing. And it sounds like maybe you don't quite have that structure, but you have a common understanding that you're all accountable to the business. You all have this very common sense of, we want the business to grow. And so we're just looking, we're kind of all looking to that rather than looking at each other. Correct. So, yeah. like, you know, the way that we have, we have a common vision mm. and the vision is translated in goals and when we need to be there and where we needed to be. Mm. And that, you know, maybe some part of that translating numbers mm -hmm. uh, that can be like in, uh, the sales numbers, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a goals that you can measure. Yeah. And, you know, every time, you know, when we sit down and say, okay, how far are we? What do we have to do? It? Why we are not there yet? Or like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you say, okay, great. We made it this far. Like, okay, things are good. Mm. And that's, and in a way, like what I ask my, because we work with a lot of people that maybe it's their first time, their first job, right? Yeah. And when I, my first job was not here, but I remember everything about the first job, the first time yeah. that I went to work with the people that I talked to it. Yeah. And, you know, when the first job you become actually, that, that restaurant becomes like a family. Like, you know, mm. you meet people. Our stores are very like uh, diversified in mm -hmm. uh, a unique when it comes to, to the people. Like we have people from South America. We have people mm. like from Italy. We have people mm. from all these parts of the world. So there's so many, so many different cultures together. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think you, they can learn a lot. They, they're going to learn a lot of things. They're going to keep it for the rest of their life. Mm. How like in a different culture, like things work in a different culture. And until like, you know, when you are like 15, 16, 17, you may have not had the experience with a different culture as much as you do mm. in the store. So, mm. you know, one of the things that I think is very important is for them to, to communicate to each other. Mm. Um, and there are some people that are more business oriented. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people, I mean, I've seen a lot of people come and go in the last years. And the part where I say, like, you know, I hope that you, you steal something from us yeah. because we... When I came here, I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know how to run a business. That's something that uh, I developed with my family and, yeah. you know, I did a lot of business coaching. I read a lot of books about it. Mm -hmm. So everybody, I know a lot of people, they say, oh, I want to own a restaurant. Okay. You know, that's, that's, that's <laughs> a good thing, but oh, I want to have my own business. Okay. That's great. But until you have a business, yeah. uh, you, you, know, you actually have a job. And yeah. to make a business, it's a lot of, I'm still working on it to make a business and not a job. Mm -hmm. So like, I hope that everybody that comes to us and they really wanted that, they can learn a little bit from how we mm -hmm. do things so they, they can do their own. If they are just, it's a temporary job for them and they're going to go out of college and they're going to start yeah. something new. I hope that they're going to learn yeah. from here how we do some things and, you know, translate in their future job or whatever they call yeah. the real job. Yeah. It is a lot. I mean, uh, we spend the, uh, a lot of our days uh, with people other side of our family. Yeah. So we better make like, you know, those hours uh, valuable and uh, profitable. Yeah. 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 When you say you, what do you think is the defining difference between a business owner that treats their business like a job and a business owner that treats their business like a business? So it's uh, it's a little bit of uh, of, uh, of a lot of things. I mean, mm -hmm. like when you're a business owner, you're always working no matter what. If you mm -hmm. if you treat it like a job or as a business, mm -hmm. uh, but to me, a business is uh, a little bit something that can operate with or without you, and mm -hmm. also it can operate. It can always like improve and get better 
Yeah. And it's something that you probably look at, like, you know, not a lot of, when you have a job or like, you know, not a lot of business can be passed on to the future generation. Because at that point, maybe their business already old uh, in a way. So when, when you cannot do that, it's more, I consider more like a job than a business. Yeah, that's a great, great, super interesting difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The more self-sufficient yeah. it is and the more dependent on its many, many parts. Yeah. And the team. Yeah. So, well, the one other question I wanted to ask you about working with family. Again, I think that's something that uh, looking from the outside, a lot of Americans maybe admire or appreciate or even kind of like marvel at from afar when they see how close, you know, Italian families are. And you've talked about how you make sure that the business isn't a threat to that closeness. I'm curious if you think that the American way of life or American culture or American values is a threat to the closeness, you know, that your Italian family enjoys, because it's something that's not nearly as common here in the U.S. as it is in Italy. Why do you think that difference exists? And yeah, do you feel that threat personally as a family? Is that something that you work on staying close? I mean, I think I think here probably like the spaces, uh, mm. everything is bigger, right? So like, mm-hmm. you know, family can can go uh, and live from far away from each other like mm-hmm. easily than than what it is from there in Italy. Like, you know, here, like you probably finish college and you find a job in California. So you say, okay, you know what? I'm moving to California. In, in Italy, it's, uh, it's kind of a little bit harder, especially the south part of Italy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you live close to your family. I used to live like, you know, fam- my grandparents, the one that lived far away from me, it was like five minutes away. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's... I always saw them. So I, I, we grew up in a, in a closeness space. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. we grew up with being close to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like one of the first things that, you know, that I do when I go in Italy is making sure that I go to say to ev- hi, you know, to everybody, like, you know, to mm-hmm. all 150, like family members that is going to say, like, you didn't come see me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we take that very personal. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's not that here is it's it's not like that i mean uh, there is a um, i can see a lot of people a lot of families being like that to it i mean if you consider the jewish community sure. the i feel like they're very close just as much as italians yeah uh, mm-hmm. are. so it, it it's not like a threaten it's um what i think it's been a little bit like uh, uh something to worry about it like and not, not just in the u.s but probably all over the world a little bit too much is the urgency and the necessity to always run. Mm. Always got to be, you know, do, do more, do more, do more, do more. Mm. And, you know, the friend of mine who was in Hawaii a few weeks ago, and there was a sign that, you know, made me think about it. I said, you know, please be patient. Like we, we run on a Hawaiian time here. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we rel- it's, it's a different time zone. You got to more mm-hmm. relax. I mean, mm-hmm. fortunately, like even in our business, like in any business, like everybody wants once no, I mean they wanted what they wanted, they want it now. Yeah. Uh, once they decided they want it now. So like you're always on the on the rush. So I feel like that everywhere, probably like you know, things needs, I mean, everywhere, but most part of the world, things needs to be a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And that everybody you know can do better. Yeah. I feel I always love the day of uh, Thanksgiving on, yeah. on Christmas Day when everybody everybody's more calm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's super interesting to me. And again, I think I think people think that the 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 restaurant culture is probably one of the worst offenders. But by building a business that, like you said, is really a business, it really counts on its people. You've been able to grow while also not not burning out and not burning your family out and not putting undue stress on your family. Yeah, I mean, That's at the amazing. end of the day, things happen. I mean, like any business, mm-hmm. any family, uh, we have one on, on, on our core value. Say, like, you know, I love it like a family. We don't like, sometimes I don't agree with each other. Sure. But guess what? You know, like, uh, let's sit down, let's talk about it. And that's, that's like, you know, what fixed things, you know, to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that we use in our business and as well in, uh, in our family. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, Tony. There's a lot of wisdom in here. <laughs> And a lot of great stories too. So I appreciate your time so much. I've really, like I said, I was really looking forward to this interview. I've enjoyed it even more than I anticipated, which is a lot. So thank you. Great. I love to hear that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maggie, for your time. And thank you for thinking about us. And hopefully you will come to see in, uh, in our store in Colombia soon. I mean, it's I- far from where you live. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find Towson Hot Bagels and your other locations. And we will, we'll of course, be sure to put it in the show notes also and where they can find you on social media as well. All right. So we have six locations, Towson, Canton, Timonium, Charles Village, Columbia, Medellin, and Always Mills. The last two one, we, people can go online and look at eatthb.com. Mm-hmm. That's our website and uh, THB Begley and Daily for Facebook and mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are, we are all over. Like, you know, we have also people that, that they want to try our app. It's really great, very convenient. If you yeah. want to just be quick in and out, we're yep. talking about, you know, be on the rush, right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> very convenient. Yes, or you can enjoy the Piazza experience and go right to one of the locations. Yes, and hopefully we'll be back soon, just right before COVID, and yeah, having those weekends where we are loud and you know we can have fun and hype each other like like this never happened. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Okay, Tony, have a great trip. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. You know, if you want to see pictures, you know, stay tuned on social media because I'm going to post some pictures there. Oh, I'll be following for sure. You better believe it. Yeah. Okay. Take care, Tony. Take care, Becky. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Tony for coming on the show and thank you all for tuning in. Listeners, you are the heartbeat of this podcast and you make the work worth it. As always, I so appreciate a share of any episode you like with your friends and family or over on social media. And of course, your five-star rating and review make the podcast more visible and searchable for others. Thank you so much for your support. Of course, all of Tony's information about Towson Hot Bagels are in the show notes. And also, the spaghetti and clams recipe that he talked about are in those notes as well. Over on thestoriedrecipe.com, you will find recipes from all of my former guests, as well as all the prior episodes of the podcast. You'll find lots of food photography information, resources for creatives, and a little bit more about me and the podcast over there as well. So head on over to thestoriedrecipe.com if any of those interest you. Next week, we will hear from Carolyn, who runs online gardening courses and one-to-one garden coaching from her home in the Pacific 
Northwest. She will be talking about the healing that she found in the land after suffering with infertility and five miscarriages. She's also going to discuss the connection she made to her past as she leaned into homesteading. So make sure you subscribe now so you don't miss this episode and a really full and exciting schedule coming up for the rest of the fall. Thank you and have a great week, my friends.